So just as a bit of background to this talk, uh, last week there was a huge dam wall in Laos which broke and fell down, uh, releasing a gigantic amount of water which caused much destruction. So for the talk. So yesterday was the first day, the entering of the three-month range retreat period. And this is a time where the monks determine to spend those three months just in one place. And so the Buddha gave his permission that if there was a suitable place to stay, the monks would be able to spend the range retreat there. So, for example, um, a monk isn't allowed to spend that retreat in a large water jar. But if they're traveling on a boat at the time, then they're able to stay on the boat for the three months. It's a time where the monks can consistently study both the vinaya, the monastic rules, and the path of practice. A very important principle of the path of practice is for us to have mindfulness there. We can say this is the heart of the practice. So this quality of uh, sati, we can translate as recollection, and sampajanya, an all-around knowing. And we have both of these qualities with us all the time. So how is sati, this mindfulness, recollection, how is it important? We can compare it to being like a dam that keeps a huge body of water behind it. Now if that dam isn't strong, if it starts to leak and then crack, break, then it'll fall down, releasing a huge torrent of water, which will go and destroy houses, destroy people, destroy many animals, all the way until it flows into the sea. There'll be a lot of death, a lot of damage. And so if our minds or our mindfulness is weak, then all of the aramana, all of the sense objects, they'll pour into our hearts, and they'll do it very fast. If the mind doesn't have any energy, then these aramana, these sense objects, will just push us around, and we won't have anything to hold on to. The outer aramana are forms, sounds, smells, tastes, and touch. And the inner aramana, the dhamma aramana, are thoughts and imagination, or the proliferation that goes on in our minds. And these are the things that bring up suffering for us. So suffering is in the Four Noble Truths that the Buddha taught. So these comprise of suffering, uh, the cause of suffering, the cessation of suffering, and the path leading to the ending of suffering. But this suffering, we can't let go of it directly because it arises from a cause. And that cause is craving or attachment, so we have to let go of the cause. So a method of practice that's simple, it's easy to understand, it's not complicated in any way, is just to have mindfulness and this all-around knowing here in the present moment. And so for the lay people here, you know, you probably have quite a lot of work to do, but always try and have mindfulness with you, with whatever you're doing whether you're sitting, standing, walking, lying down, have mindfulness there and always be studying the mind, taking care of the mind, knowing what the mind is like. If we're able to take care of our minds, then we'll be able to free ourselves from Myra's snare. And so Mara is all of the suffering, all of the impurities, 
the ignorance, the craving, the attachment within us. But if we can do this, if we can look after our minds, then these things, they won't be able to affect us in any way. They won't have any power over us. Even if we go and see something, our eyes sees a form, or we smell something, or we hear something, we taste something, we touch something, or a lot of different thoughts and feelings arise in our minds, there are wholesome thoughts, unwholesome thoughts arising, then we don't allow the heart to get into aversion or attraction towards all those things. We keep our heart in the middle. And doing this, keeping the heart in the middle and not getting attracted or averse, this is the path that will lead us to seeing the Dhamma. The path of practice that's really easy, that's short, is to contemplate, to see that all the things in our life which we feel are very important. None of them is more important than letting go. Letting go is more important than anything else. So if we can't help a situation, then we just have to let go and accept that that's just the truth of what has happened. It's something difficult, but if we train ourselves with it every day from this day forward and we constantly do this, do it in an even and smooth manner, then we'll be able to raise our minds up to the level where wisdom is allowed to grow within us. We'll be able to see into the conventional nature of things. So like with everyone sitting here in the hall today, we can see that a male is a convention, female is a convention, the hall is a convention. These are just names that we've come up with, humans have created. In different languages, they have different forms of conventions. But really, there aren't any names there. It's just convention. It's just something that we use so that when we refer to things, other people understand us. But when the mind is deluded, it'll take these conventions and see them as something that's real. And so if we practice to investigate into impermanence, to see that everything needs to change, needs to break and fall apart, then we'll be able to see things as being merely conventions see them as being impermanent. They're not stable. They can't just stay the way they are forever. They have to break. Everything that is of the nature to arise, it will have to break. It will have to cease. An important aspect of this are our bodies, which have been created from cells. And so when the cells grow up, they uh, grow into either a human body or an animal body. And nature just creates them like that. We can see this with trees. Nature just creates trees. It creates it from light and from water, from the weather conditions. And we're just the same. Nature just does its own work on these bodies of ours. If we get nutritious food, if the weather's just right, all the conditions are in place, then these bodies will grow up. But if those conditions aren't there, then the cells will start to change. And that's what we call sickness, illness. These bodies will start to degenerate, and the four elements, or all of the cells which have combined together to create these bodies, they'll start to disperse. This is what we call death, but it's something that's completely natural. But this is the death of the physical body. If we look into it on a level that's deeper than this, we can look into the birth and death of me and mine arising in the mind. 
And we can call this the everyday Paticca Samipada, dependent origination that happens on a daily basis. So ignorance gives rise to volitional karmic formations, which gives rise to consciousness, in turn giving rise to a name and form, which then gives rise to craving, attachment, becoming and birth, resulting in suffering. And this is something which, a process which is constantly happening in our minds. So say we see something, our eye sees a form, and if we don't like that form, then this already is a birth of me and mine. Or say when we have things like a mobile phone, if that phone gets lost or it gets broken, then already this is suffering coming up. There's a me coming up in the mind, and this is the birth of suffering. If the cause of suffering, upadana, clinging is there, then suffering will have to come up. And if we have a lot, of, a lot of delusion, we're very deluded into these thoughts and seeing things as a me and a mine, then suffering will come up very often. But no matter how strong that suffering is, at some point it will have to die down. But then we still see it as me and mine, thinking, I am someone who was suffering in the past, and this again is attachment in the mind. Each and every day, we take many, many births. And today, we've probably taken a birth that has a good purpose, a good meaning to it. It's a birth that's a happy birth, a birth in the deva realms. So maybe we've gotten born as a male deva or a female deva. Our minds find joy through goodness, through creating merit and doing skillful deeds. So we've come here today to offer food, to chant, to recollect the Lord Buddha, the Dhamma, the Sangha, to make merit in all these ways. And the mind is then happy, it's joyful through goodness. And this is also birth in a, into a self, but it's a self which is devoted to building goodness. So every day that we're given life, we should try to have a self which is devoted to abandoning unwholesome things, evil things, and devoted to building up goodness and merit. So the merit that we've done today, through dana, through generosity, is probably complete already, it's full already. The merit that we've uh, made through our sila, through our virtue, morality, that's also very full. But the merit that comes through the practice of bhavana, through the practice of cultivating the mind, this is the form of merit that has the most meaning to it. This is because with people that are generous, it's possible that the things that they've used to be generous, the money that they've, that they've given away, the way they've gotten that is through stealing, cheating, corruption. And so this generosity, it can't keep up with morality. But still, people who have good morality, they've got a lot of feelings in their hearts, a lot of feelings of me and mine. They have anger, hatred, love, greed. And so they have to try and restrain these things, keep them there in their hearts. And when they do, they'll see the heat that the defilements cause in the mind. And so therefore, people who are wise, practitioners, we need to have a lot of restraint need to have patience and endurance. If we're going to be practicing throughout our everyday life, 
then we need to stay restrained, have a lot of endurance, and be devoted to this, have a sense of self-sacrifice. Sometimes we feel as though we just can't endure it anymore, and at those points we need to force ourselves to stay restrained. Because the anger that can come up in the heart, it can be a lot. And the people who have a lot of this anger, they know how hot it can get. And this is another birth that the mind's taken. It's another form of me and mine. Some people, they get a lot of greed. They can, for example, get a lot of greed over food. They eat a lot, and they just can't restrain themselves from eating. And it's the same as people with anger, that if they do restrain themselves, then they'll see just what, uh, how hot it can get in their hearts by not following their wishes. These kilesas of greed, hatred, and delusion, they're the origin, the source of all the heat, all the becoming and birth that happens in the present moment. So we need to study and to establish our mindfulness well, no matter what we're doing, whether we're sitting, standing, walking, lying down, we have mindfulness. Wherever we go, whatever we do, we keep our mindfulness with us. Always having a sense of control over our minds. If we can do this, then we'll be able to free ourselves from Mara's snare. If our mindfulness is well established here in the present moment, then samadhi, this firm establishment of the heart, it'll come up a little bit at a time. So this little samadhi, or kanaka samadhi, we know what that's like, right? We've experienced it from time to time. Like when we chant, we do our morning chanting, our evening chanting, or we sit in meditation, then the mind feels full. It's full of happiness, full of joy. So a fullness of the body, we know what that's like. Like if we take a deep breath and the lungs are full of oxygen, we know what that's like. Or if we eat until we're full, then that's the fullness of the body. But if there's something there which is causing our windpipe to become constricted, to become tight, then the doctor will have to prescribe medicine to expand the windpipe. So we're able to breathe fully until our lungs are full. Or if we only eat a little bit of food, then we know what the feeling of still being hungry, of not being full is like. And so this fullness and not being full, we know what both of these are like. And we know that this fullness comes from food, from physical food. But a form of food for the mind is the food that's even more important than this. And so this food is the nourishment that we get from the Dharma, from merit, from skillfulness. So like us today, we've come here and we're listening to the Dhamma now, and we feel full in our hearts. So this is merit arising in our hearts. But with this merit there, we also need to have kusala, or intelligence, coming up as well, in order to look after that fullness of heart. Because the greed, hatred and delusion within ourselves will constantly be trying to destroy that fullness of heart. So we need to have mindfulness there, taking care of our hearts. And it's just like meat. These days we preserve meat through putting it in the freezer. Or in previous times, before they had freezers, they would preserve it in salt. And we also need to have wisdom there, looking after this merit as well. So for the most part, all of the people here are people that only like to do merit. It's just what we do. 
We chant on a regular basis. We offer food. We sit in meditation. All of these things are ways of creating merit. So we also need wisdom there as well, looking after this merit that we've created. To know things truly, to see clearly into the truth. To see clearly that this me and mine, it's not real, it's not true. It's just a convention. That the knowledge which arises in the mind that separates things out into self and other, that gives rise to conceit, that this isn't true. So we should always have mindfulness and wisdom there, always trying to resolve the feelings that arise in the hearts. And this is an important principle for the monks to take up and practice throughout the whole of the Rains Retreat. All of the Tudanga practices, the ascetic practices, such as going without lying down, eating all the food just in the alms bowl, eating just one meal a day, not speaking for three months or for one month, or not lying down on the lunar observance nights. The purpose of these practices are to train the mind, to build up strength and energy in the mind, so that they're able to fight with the defilements of the heart. And this is an important principle for us, to always have mindfulness there in the heart, knowing in the heart, and letting go in the heart. This is a very important principle in the practice of meditation. So in our everyday lives, us practitioners, we shouldn't just let go of mindfulness. We should never throw mindfulness out. If we let go of mindfulness, then all of the sense objects will just pull our hearts along. And when evening comes around, if we try and sit in meditation, we try and bring up mindfulness or try to give rise to samadhi, concentration, it'll be really difficult to do this. And it's difficult because our practice hasn't been continuous throughout the day. So we need to try and keep mindfulness with us all throughout the day. An important foundation for our minds is this quality of metta, of goodwill. And so we wish other people good things, happiness. We wish ourselves happiness and good things as well. We have a mind that wants to help other people with their suffering, to be freed from that suffering. And so we try and do this in line with our own abilities and energy. We also have mudita, the sympathetic joy, a quality which softens the heart. And so if other people have good things in their lives, then we have this feeling of, of joy over that. Or we have a feeling of anumotana, rejoicing in the goodness of other people if we see their good qualities. And this prevents the heart from getting caught into jealousy. If other people come at us with a lot of greed, hatred or delusion, then we don't do anything which will aggravate the situation. We try and restrain ourselves. Because the minds of people are like this, they're very fond of aggravating things, of just making things worse. So we don't let our minds get caught into jealousy. If they do, then this means that our hearts are lacking compassion, lacking goodwill at that time. And this is what the origin of all the kilesas, the greed, hate and delusion are like. They reduce the level of the mind. So we have to try and be careful. If we can have the four divine abidings, the Brahma-viharas within us, this will help us to keep our sila, our morality well, to be very full and complete in morality. So we should have mindfulness with us all the time, building up a damn wall within our hearts, a wall which will be able to protect us from all the sense objects and all the moods and emotions. 
Whenever our mindfulness is strong, then at that point we're close to the Buddha. We have a knowing in accordance with the truth, and this is the mind of awakening arising within us. We'll be able to see that all physicality and mentality, it's impermanent, it's stressful, there's no self there. And so when anger comes up, we can ask ourselves, well, why would we want to give in to it? Or if there's hate, love, fear, why would we want to follow that? Is there any self in there? If there's a lot of fear coming up, it's because we're very deluded at that time. It's because our mindfulness is very weak. And so we need to try and increase the level of our mindfulness. And if we do this, then the greed, hatred and delusion, it will decrease. This is the fighting that happens in the heart. The fighting of the mind. The battle between the path and the kilesas. If the kilesas are stronger, then our suffering will increase. But if the path has more strength, then the suffering will begin to diminish. And this is neuroda, cessation, which leads towards the end of all suffering. And we'll be able to experience nibbana, which is a coolness coming up in the heart. If we have panya, then there'll be a clear knowing and we'll be able to see into the truth. But sometimes panya doesn't arise within us. And this is because our mindfulness isn't firmly established. So we need to come back, develop our mindfulness again, knowing all the things that arise. For instance, if anger arises, then we know that that's what's come up, and we have endurance there as well. We don't speak from that anger. We don't watch the person we're angry with. We don't make eye contact with them. Because if we do, then that anger will shoot out of our eyes at them. So we stay restrained. We have to have patient endurance like this, taking control of ourselves. Even though greed, hatred and delusion are there, they can't do anything to us because we're not following them. Ajahn Chah once gave an example about this. He said it's like a tiger in a cage. If we don't go and feed that tiger, then it'll run out of energy, or it'll get skinny and malnourished. The meaning of this, of not giving food, is that we don't just go and follow our wishes. We don't just run after our kilesas, the defilements. Then, these moods, like anger, they'll get less energy. They're still there, but they don't have any power. It's like the tiger in the cage. It's hungry. It's close to death. But we have to be careful as well, because if we're heedless and we let the tiger out of the cage, then it'll find food and it'll get its energy back. The kilesas are the same. So we need to always be controlling them through our practice of, of morality or virtue. Even though greed, hatred and delusion are there, we have restraint and we have patient endurance and this quality of patient endurance is a quality of wise people. Kanti, or patient endurance, is the supreme incinerator of the defilements. So throughout the whole Rains Retreat we should train ourselves in this patient endurance. This is something which will burn up the defilements, allowing them to lessen. And when they do lessen, when our mindfulness has more strength and energy, then wisdom will arise and we'll be able to see into the Dhamma. So we don't need to go off thinking into the future, thinking, where is Nibbana? What will Nibbana be like? What's seeing the Dhamma like? All we do is we just give up greed, hatred and delusion that's arisen in the present moment. 
We just have a lot of mindfulness here in the present moment. We study our hearts so we can raise them up to the point where they're able to be firmly established, where they're able to be well concentrated, and this will in turn give rise to wisdom. We control our body and speech through the practice of morality. And all of these practices are what we call walking the Eightfold Path, this path of sila samadhi panya, of morality, concentration and wisdom. So in the beginning, we establish our mindfulness well and strongly. This will easily give rise to a fullness of heart. Like when we recollect the Buddha, just reciting Buddha or Arahang Buddha or Namo Buddhaya, this will give rise to a fullness in our hearts. We can think that in the future we're going to go and offer food to the monks, we're going to go and make merit in different ways, and this is joy and happiness arising in our hearts. Or we can recollect all the good things that we've done already, and again this brings up happiness in our hearts. This is our minds getting born as a deva. So we should try and do this often, just keep our minds going between the human realm and the deva realm. But this is talking about the internal birth, the birth of the heart. So we can ask ourselves, how many more births are we going to take? But here in this present life, in this life that we have now that we've already been born into, our minds are peaceful at the moment, and so this means that they're on the level of a human. And if each day we recollect the goodness, the merit that we've done, then they go up into the deva realms. So we should try and do this, just keep our minds constantly going between the state of a human and the state of a deva, not allowing them to fall down at the lower realms. If our minds are hot, it's because they've just given in to the power of the kilesas, of the defilements, and this means that the mind has fallen down into the lower realms already, down into hell, or getting born as a hungry ghost, a cowardly titan, or an animal. All of this is something which happens in the present moment. It's a birth which comes up in the present moment first. But if our minds have firmly established samadhi, then we'll get born as a deva. Or if that samadhi is very strong, then we'll get born into the Brahma realms. But we should go for the deva realms first. And devas are beings which have two qualities. A quality of shame, of wrongdoing, and fear over the consequences of wrongdoing. So we should have mindfulness here in the present moment. Practice each day to make our minds pure, to lead them out of suffering, to make neuroda cessation come up clearly within us. And this will bring about freedom from suffering for us, freedom within ourselves. But all of these, these things depend upon the qualities of morality, of mindfulness, the qualities of samadhi, of concentration, and of wisdom. So we need to take these qualities as the heart's means of proceeding through life, the heart's means of letting go, because letting go is something that's very, very important. If the greed, hatred, and delusion coming up are very strong, almost violent, and nothing that we do, no object of meditation, can fight with it, then we need to recollect death to recollect that we're going to have to die. Our lives aren't sure, but death is sure. This will lessen 
the very strong kilesas. When the path has strength, then the kilesas will start to lose their strength. They'll start to fall away. The mind will become free. It will become firm. And this that happens through mindfulness, taking constant care over the heart. This will lead us to seeing the Dhamma, to seeing into not-self, to seeing and experiencing the state which isn't born and which doesn't die. And we experience this within our own hearts. And so now we all know about birth and death. We all know what it's like to experience ignorance, to experience craving, and for this to lead on to suffering. But if we walk the path, then we'll get to experience the state of no birth and no death. And we can say this is a little nibbana arising in our hearts. So we should try and give rise to this often. Give rise to this little nibbana very frequently. The mind which isn't born and which doesn't die happens when we've let go of all the aramana, all of the sense objects and all of the moods and emotions. All thoughts and proliferations over past and future, we've let go of it all already. The mind has become freed from the aramana, freed from the sense objects, these moods. So may you all grow and develop in the Dharma. May you all have strong mindfulness, which will in turn create a strong dam wall within all of your hearts. This will then be able to protect you from all of the aramana, all of the sense objects, all of the emotions. The mind will then be able to escape and find freedom from all suffering.